0: Welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. You're listening to Theo Smith on the show for the people building HR and talent functions at Scale-Ups whilst moving at the speed of light. In today's episode of Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, we're joined by Nick Mortimer, Director of Talent Operations at Troy, where we talk to him about their incredible rise over the past 12 months, where they've gone from startup to scale up to match their customers' journeys. It is pretty incredible. We're also gaining some insights into why that's currently happening within the marketplace. A fascinating conversation with an organization we absolutely love, Troy. Enjoy the show. <coughs> Good morning, boo! woo! Yay! <laughs> welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Welcome. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you did
0: pre warn me that that's 30. going to be
1: quite an exciting intro. I didn't think it was going to be quite that exciting. <laughs> I'm good,
0: thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm absolutely brilliant. It is a day of Fry Friday, and I'm living life. How about you? Yeah, good. Uh, not too bad at
1: all. Actually, it's been a busy week, but aren't they all? <laughs> so no different to any other.
0: They are and especially for you and you know this is part of the journey um, that we're going to go on for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, You know uh, introduce yourself, tell people who don't know who you are, what you do, uh, the organization you work for and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah that sounds good. So yeah I'm Nick uh, Mortimer, so I'm the Director of Operations at Troy. So we're a, a startup in the embedded talent world. So we help scaling companies with they're predominantly tech but also commercial hiring on a monthly subscription basis so we've had a bit of a mad 2021 so far Um, and it's getting madder and I guess that's what we're going to be talking about amongst other kind of industry hot topics
0: today. Absolutely so yeah fascinated by what's going on in the market at the moment you know the competition for recruiters is exploding it's going through the roof organizations finding it really really tricky to be able to attract this type of talent. And I guess this is, I mean, we want to, there's a few things we want to discuss today, that being one of them, giving organisations, individuals insight into what's going on there, because ultimately you're plugging the gap, right? Um, and, and we're also going to talk about the journey that you're going on as an organisation from the the supplier um, of of recruiters into these uh, you know scale ups hyper growth organisations uh, but now you're becoming one of those organisations as well <laughs> yeah. which must be fascinating so come on, yeah, tell, tell us a story
1: yeah it's just been really really mad to be honest with you and I guess the beauty of it as well it's all come organically through inbound rather than kind of any form of kind of outbound or deliberateness which is which is you show um, off oh yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so we started this year in january with eight people in troy we're now 40 and there's a few more new starters kind of on top of that to Stop.
0: come eight hey, what like january 8 now 40 and i know you're not stopping that is mm. <laughs> that's some um, growth. i know it's just been it's just been mad and it's kind of
1: caused by surprise <laughs> to be honest with you um but now it's kind of the, the issues i guess we've got now is how we catch up and make sure that we kind of act like we're a 40 person business and we've got the processes in place to you know, support people i guess you know, when i joined so i've been at troy like approaching four years i joined it was like three of us as so i just love the kind of startup vibe do what you want kind of crack on a little bit of ad, kind of ad-libbing really obviously we're very kind of customer-centric in our approach and making sure we delivered but there was no real rhyme and reason behind any action it was you know it was just good fun I guess now it's you know we're, we're hiring lots of people we need to create opportunities for them we want to make sure that they're here for a reason they grow they upskill um you know we want to provide that opportunity and it's kind of I guess you know it's a different sort of responsibility now it's not just about new business it's about combining a real customer-centric approach to making sure that we do the right things with our clients while obviously providing the right level of service to our our team, I guess. It's not the greatest way of putting it, but, you know, it's, it's making sure that they're happy, they're progressing. Um, yeah, it's just a completely different set of challenges. Now, I think I prefer it, but I do kind of get a bit nostalgic about the early days sometimes as I'm sure a lot of kind of sort of people who've worked in early stage or something a bit larger have, have experienced.
0: It's funny, um, and I worked for a huge organization, but we had a very small um, central office with about 50 people in, you know, and we had about, I don't know, 30,000 people workforce, but 50 of us in a centralized and, and we used to have these old leather seats, and we used to be crammed into this office, small office. And these old leather seats remind me like the 80s, right? And they were in the yeah. reception area. And it's funny, when you move to your new offices, you've got plenty of space, all white walls, or whatever it may be. You've got posher seats and everything. There is something nostalgic. They're like, I like the old 80s battered leather seats. I liked being a bit too close, even though it's not a thing I normally like. But you, you do look bango. the fact you were literally rubbing shoulders with the person next to you. is uh, so, so yeah, I get it. But, but this is a reflection, right? Not just of Troy and what you're doing, but of the wider world of what's going on within organisations. How have you seen um, the work that you were delivering 12 months ago, 24 months ago uh, to now, how has that changed? Has it changed significantly or are you delivering exactly the same work just with more people?
1: Yeah, it has changed quite a lot. I think, I mean, COVID, obviously I'm I'm sure we'll be glad we don't need to talk about COVID anymore, but we're not at that point yet. But it has changed things a lot in terms of, I guess, the, the material conditions, if you'd like, in the marketplace. I think initially there was a, A shock, and I think companies stopped hiring as much as they as they did, and I think that probably started to kind of unwind, particularly in tech. I can't speak for other industries necessarily, but you buy back Q three last year. I think it started to kind of get back to normal in terms of hiring volumes and that sort of thing. But I think there was a hesitance on the kind of how much companies were spending to make those hires, and I think that's naturally where it's kind of fed to to companies like us who have a a flat a a flat kind of subscription model you pay the same price regardless we're not charging extra for for the actual hire that's made and, and what have you and i think and obviously with the remote nature of things you know we're starting to gradually get back into the office but you know and most of our clients are the same you know some aren't actually reopening at all some have decided to go for remote models so therefore actually having kind of that relationship between kind of remote to agency, to remote candidate, it just didn't have enough. You know, it's quite difficult to kind of create an emphasis on what that company's culture is when it's all kind of external and it's not kind of inclusive in that sense. So actually, I guess that's where we have come in, whereby, yes, we're not physically meeting the clients that we work with, but we're having so much more engagement. We get a sense of what's going on and how things work. And that obviously reflects better when you're speaking to software engineers, for example, who are massively in demand at all times, but particularly at the moment. And it kind of just creates that extra piece of kind of ownership for the the client. They know what's happening. It's someone on a Slack channel. It's not someone on an email in a a bedroom wherever, (laughs) you know, it's it's just a, I think it's just a bit of a tighter way of doing things. I think that's, that's really come to the fore. Um, And perhaps, you know, the other thing with that, it's, you know, I guess a lot of companies might have had to let go their internal recruitment team if they stop hiring. That's, I guess, an unfortunate but natural consequence of that. And perhaps they see us as, okay, we don't want to be spending agency fees. However, we're not confident enough yet in market conditions to be hiring our own recruitment team again. So we kind of fit that nice middle ground. So I think it's probably a combination of
0: reasons, but I think that's kind of how I see it. So that's interesting because I've seen a lot on the social channels that I'm members of a variety of different groups, and a lot of in-house recruiters are, are bemoaning the fact that they're now getting um, stumped with like twenty percent um, fees from recruiters, right? As a, like a we're not going anything under twenty percent uh, as almost like a standard. So that's probably uh, what you're mentioning is the pressure coming down on internal teams um, that are being forced to go. Uh, out to, to recruiters, you know, uh, and then having to think, okay, well, what are my other options? And then clearly, um, you know, they're looking at something that is more sustainable than just paying per um, a, a consultancy per candidate, for example. Mm. So I guess that's probably where you've seen a lot of uptake as well on something that's, um, there's right, but there's, a, there's a limit to it, they can, um, they can switch it on and off should they not need it in six months time, if we hit another brick wall, which who knows we may do right. Yeah, so
1: I guess no one knows, and I guess you know, we we can be turned off with you know a, a four to eight week notice period, depending on obviously the the terms at at, the, at each point. But you know it's a lot easier to turn off a company rather than make a person redundant, and I think have it, companies having experienced that pain of having to downsize teams potentially you know in March twenty twenty or April twenty twenty they. They don't want to do that, and I totally get that. You know whether that changes our, I guess, viability. I don't. I probably don't. I probably don't think it will actually. I think the growth in the tech industry is just going, going, going. You know, we, so I, that probably isn't going to change things for us, but it's probably part of the decision making right now. Um, and, and exactly. You, and I think now it's kind of caught up with companies wanting to rehire permanent teams or build on existing permanent talent acquisition teams. And it's just, yeah, it's just that, and the companies are coming to us because they can't hire their own recruiters, but somehow we can. So it's kind of like, so yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird situation to try and be exact on, but I suspect all those things are probably part of it.
0: And is it primarily um, the the sourcing of candidates that you're delivering? Are there any other elements to the service that you're providing uh, when recruiters or your team members are dropping in to work with organisations?
1: Yeah, it does depend on the organization and and lots of different things within that. You know, size is, I guess, one factor. And I guess size generally means there's a bigger talent function already. And with that, a lot of the processes might already be set up. And I guess it is a bit more around, I guess it's 360 in some elements. We still still own the, the hiring manager relationship, but we don't necessarily need to think about much else beyond, hello, Mr. Hiring Manager, what do you what do you need and making sure that that's realistic and then finding the candidates and obviously managing that through whatever systems that they operate. Um, when it's a, uh, you know, an earlier stage startup, for example, there's a lot, a what, what, lot more of a wider brief. Um, you know, it might be actually the you know, X company. They might have first time hiring managers, for example, they might need a lot of support. Actually, how do they go about trying to hire, you know, hire a software engineer or hire a first salesperson, for example. And that's, there's probably some there's some coaching a lot of the time you know how do you sell how do you you know make sure that your criteria is actually fair and also tangible rather than you know there's a lot of kind of talk about kind of interviewers gut and that kind of thing so you can't really make decisions based on a gut feel um well maybe you can but you need some data with it (laughs) um so there'll be that kind of stuff it might be setting up an ats from scratch it might be you know advising and, and guiding on employer branding you know we've written blogs for for clients to set up glass doors um you know lots of different stuff there as well as the actual hiring so we offer a you know we define ourselves as kind of an end-to-end recruitment service but we don't necessarily always need to do that depending on kind of the situation we walk into um but you know that's yeah that's kind of how it how it works
0: brilliant so let's talk a little bit now then about how it feels to to be all of a sudden overnight that organisation that isn't just a group of recruiters. Uh, it, it, you you need your own mechanisms to ensure your employees are looked after and and what how how did, you know how overnight that has happened to you. Have you been <laughs> able to deal with that and, and manoeuvre that kind of rapid change in growth?
1: Yeah, it's um. It's a good question and it's kind of I was talking to one of our team, Lucy, the other day actually, and she's like, Have you just sat there and kind of looked back and kind of smiled because of all the stuff we've achieved? And I'm like. So and I haven't really. Maybe it'd be like a a Christmas party thing, you know, in a tux or something where maybe I'm just smoking a cigar. This is kind of how it kind of fits in my head. I've like, got, Oh yeah, we've actually done quite a lot this year. Um so I think we I think to begin with it was a bit panicky, to be honest with you. It's like, oh I like how how on earth do we keep on top of this? And then we and then we kind of worked out actually what do we want the business to be by the end of 2022. And we worked backwards and then tried to prioritize what we do in each order. Um so yeah, it began with panic, it became a bit more structured. Um obviously there's it's never quite as sedate as that it, there's obviously like potholes on the road so i guess one of the key things we did was we brought in um michelle who's our chief people officer who so she started with us a few weeks ago and that has made a humongous difference i guess debate about what stage of company like what size of company should be bringing in a chief people officer that that's a separate conversation altogether but we felt it was the right thing to do um i guess the senior leadership team had very similar but complementary skill sets in the sense that you know we're all from recruitment backgrounds we can all sell you know we we know a bit bits and pieces about marketing we know that kind of stuff but in terms of actually how do you scale an organization with people in mind that was probably something we could do but one take us absolutely ages and, and we too we wouldn't be able to do it as well as someone who's done it before so that was a that was a big step for us and that kind of that was like oh, we're actually quite grown up now, aren't we? <laughs> um, so that was a big thing. And then we're, we're now kind of in that position where, you know, classic startup, every one person does one and a half to two jobs. It's now actually one person, one job. Um, and that's kind of, as soon as we realized that we need specialists in different specialisms, things have started to take shape. You know, we're not perfect. There's a lot we need to do and we'll probably never stop having to do stuff to to improve things. But that was a big step for us to, really start to push on and add a bit more structure you know it's a real fine line between we don't want to be a bureaucratic organization and we're not but at the same time without standardization how on earth do you grow scalably either so it's, it's that balance between standardizing yet creating the fun stuff which is and the autonomy and that that's the reason people want to join so it's like that, that that's the balance now that's a big challenge
0: brilliant and so, also, um, kind of the the marketing side of that, which you mentioned briefly there, it's uh, you because you've had it's been inbound, right? You've not you've uh, based on reputation. You've had organisations approaching you asking for your help. Um, at what point now do you switch it so that actually you you start pushing that out even further, right? Because I guess the opportunity there is is huge.
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I don't have the answer to it. <laughs> um, but the I think one of the other steps we've taken this year is actually building our own internal team, recruitment team. So whereas we're kind of trying to move away from, I guess, in a consultancy, there's always going to be a degree of we hire against project demand. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. But we're trying to be a bit more scientific with it. We're trying to get ahead of projected demand. Um. so yeah we've we've hired Sean and, and when we hired Sean, I think she started in May we were a bit like I reckon she probably spent about 60% of her time doing hiring and then get involved in some more people orientated projects but as it turned out she was slammed from day one and we had to hire a second internal recruiter <laughs> which wasn't the plan but kind of how it's worked out so I think we're at the right capacity now we'll probably need to add to that team in the next well we'll add to that team when we need to I guess um, and I think once we're in a position where we can hire the right people at a good pace, where we're ahead of projects that are coming in, that's when we'll turn the outbound tap on again. Um, so, the, yeah, that's kind of what we're thinking, but that's quite dif- difficult to be definitive because we don't also want to be in a position where we're suddenly doing outbound when the inbound dries up because that's probably a sign of the market's slowing. So it's, it's, a fine, it's always a fine line, but... It's great that it's inbound, but we also know that it's it's not going to be, well, there'd always been an element of inbound with this model, but it's not going to be forever that we can rely on it.
0: And so some of the experiences that you're going through now as part of this uh, change in organizational structure, adding, you know, um, different different departments <laughs> almost within within mm-hmm. that structure, what have you seen as part of your, your customer base and, and how they're evolving and developing? Um what, what have you seen in the changes in the last 12 months for them as, as, you know, rightly you put it, you know, technology is, is exploding um, because uh, of the remote nature of work now, right? There are so many opportunities, specifically around HR tech. Um, it seems to just be going through the roof as well. So what, what kind of uh, what have you seen in the marketplace that is of interest? In, in
1: terms of how companies are structuring and growing or things that particularly yeah, they're doing yeah, or...
0: exactly. so your recruiters kind of plugging into um these organizational structures well what are the what are the changes do you see in whether that's uh in adopting new technologies new ways of working uh, new ways of trying to attract talent or not, <laughs> are <they> not? yeah <laughs> i placement. think
1: um obviously the the remoteness is something that's been a massive change i don't think not that, you know, our clients are kind of modern thinking tech orientated businesses where there's never been this expectation of you have to be chained to your desk nine to six or anything like that. So I guess it's for them, it's not been as big a leap as perhaps more traditional organizations, for example. But the, I guess instead of having, yeah, yeah you can work from home a couple of times a week, but realistically you need to be based in commutable distance. I think that's gone out the window to some companies are going, okay, you can be UK remote. You could decide whether you want to come to the office or not. We'll get do a quarterly get together, which we'd expect you to come to, but that's kind of, you work how you want type thing. I think that attitude has been, it's prevalent. And I guess with that, you need the technology to support that. You know, I guess all these companies have got Slack and all that kind of stuff. That's the Slack is a, you know, it's an enabler of culture. It's not culture. Um, And know things like you know Miro is one of our clients, and they've had absolutely phenomenal growth, being a whiteboard collaboration tool. Absolutely perfect time for them to be growing for just based on what they do. So there's been a a lot of emphasis on on technology to enable change, but I think obviously change and and culture isn't led by technology; it's funneled through it. You know, it needs to be led from line managers, sort, sort of centralized. HR people departments, etc. It's So that's, that's been a big emphasis. And I think a lot of companies have also gone, actually, we don't really care where you're based as long as you're at a time zone whereby we can all collaborate with each other. You know, we're all remote. Now, half the companies in London. We haven't seen each other in two years. So why why does it matter if someone's based in Ukraine or Russia or, or wherever it may be? So that's been a big shift. And I think it be interesting to see what the sort of the wider kind of, situation with that is you know there's so many things you could talk about in terms of is that going to increase salaries in certain areas of the country because there's now wider access to london salaries is is that going to drive house prices up in areas that are further out of london than the standard commuter belt which i think it is i don't know the sort of the current situation with that so it's interesting to see it in a wider economic sense which again is a subject that we could talk about for hours which is not really what we're talking about but yeah. that that is an interesting Interesting topic, I think.
0: So, on that, if we think around, um, you know, uh, recruitment leaders, managers, whatever, HR leaders sat within all the organizations um, that both you and I support, right, they'll now be considering, okay, we need to increase our team. We need to get external support, like your good selves, to come in. Now, they may historically have gone, okay, we're London based, right? So, we've got a London team. And, and, you know, you've seen this, right? Uh, because of the, you know, 12 months ago, you would have been uh, a kind of a London-focused organisation. But, but that has changed over the last half months. So how has that changed for you? Uh, and how easy are you now about thinking, okay, well, we can't get recruiters maybe in London. Maybe you can, maybe you can. I don't know, it's competitive, right? So we've got mm-hmm. to think about other locations. What does that look like for you? And how easy are you with that? And how is the organisation going to going to support that? um kind of new model and new framework.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think for us it was a I guess we didn't we didn't know how long the covid situation would go on for. So I think certainly to begin with when we were hiring we wanted people within easy reach of London. Um and it we it didn't really change anything to begin with. And I think I think a combination of things really, you know, we we now have a more geographically diverse team um and that's been I guess a combination of design and a necessity, I think. I think we it was apparent that we needed to increase our, our candidate pool um, kind of due to just the sheer competitive nature of, of the tech industry at the moment. When companies are hiring software engineering and commercial teams, that means they need internal recruiters. And therefore, obviously, market conditions became very competitive here. So that was a necessity in the sense we needed to broaden our geographical horizons if you like um and then i guess the second thing is that we're so used to working remotely now it doesn't really matter no as long as people are able to you know we're gradually coming back into the office but we do want to get into a situation where there is kind of dedicated time where people are together you know i think that's important for for our culture you know it's a wild generalization to say that all recruiters are extroverted and outgoing but realistically a large chunk of them are um you know we do have more introverted people obviously but i think facetime's important for the the way that our company operates you know we're client led you know we're not we're not always going to be together anyway so i think time together is important so that was our own main kind of criteria really is like, are you able to get to london sometimes rather than three times a week or whatever so um so yeah it became a Yeah, part necessity, part design, I guess there's also a potential longer term um, sort of commercial benefit to us is that it could also help us embed ourselves in new cities, new locations. Um, So it's weird, COVID, it's kind of, it's obviously been horrible. It's also created opportunities that we might not necessarily have thought about um, beforehand. So yeah, it's an interesting one.
0: And I suppose it brings opportunities across different types of customers because that are clearly companies with bases in Manchester, right? Tech companies is is growing as a as a kind of tech city. So um, you know, equally having a base in Bristol, as you start to develop these bases, and we come out of COVID, hopefully that provides opportunities for collaborating with teams in those localities, right? So there's a significant benefit that could come from building these kind of hubs of talent for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've already seen it. That's been a a noticeable change and you know whereas before our client base was probably 95 percent london based um whereas now we've got clients in belfast we have clients in newcastle have clients in amsterdam um you know all over the uk because no one the actual physical location doesn't really matter at the moment um and it, you know and i think the the flexibility on that and that attitude is going to become more and more just chilled out i think you know it might be we need to visit a client once a month or maybe if they're in london we might choose to go in once a week but that instead of it being we're an on-site recruitment service it's now we're an embedded recruitment service which is a different thing um and i guess it'll be it would be interesting to see how that changes i think all of our existing client base and kind of clients that are about to start are very kind of relaxed about it but we don't know whether that's going to change and that might influence things in terms of how we how we structure you know the company locations wise in future so that's a i guess a
0: challenge that is yet to be defined what it is i guess well it's fascinating i think as we come out of this that that'll be the big thing organizations part of the benefit of being you know a startup or a scale up right is the is the ability to feel like a team because you're still small enough that you can know who everyone is and you can probably get around them all. Um, but then you start to segment that by locality and it can change that slightly and you have to find new ways. You know, we at Zinc, you know, sometimes uh, during COVID especially, would have team catch-ups like painting or whatever it may be and you a couple of drinks and we do some painting and share some food. But digitally, right? So it's not impossible. But as things open up again, do we forget about those things that, um brought us together even though we may have been based in the same city or we may not um yes. and, and, but also that kind of idea that why can't we play covidopoly online as a tea break I know. as long as be. there's
1: not another pub quiz on zoom that i did about 47 <laughs> of those in the first six weeks and i'm completely quizzed out uh even now it still gives me like PTSD or something, <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, it's an it's an interesting interesting thing. I think from my perspective, we're not you know, probably as advanced and kind of have thought through this as much as other organisations. But for for me, it's just about communicating regularly, um, and that's that's the main thing. Um, really, talk to people, and I think if that happens, I think you you get to nip stuff in the bud. It doesn't ferment. It doesn't. You know, you, it's like, I guess it's a lot easier to fem- ferment when you're isolated. You're at home. You're, you know, you don't. You, you feel like a bit of an island, I guess. Where just talking to people does change that. It's starting to sound like an HSBC advert now, aren't I? But have you seen, <laughs> have you seen the ones on the underground? It's like, yeah, I'm essentially an HSBC advocate at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to say, that's not very digitally focused. Come on. They've got an app. It's fine. They've all got an app these days. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm an HSBC you know, customer I've, as well, funnily enough. <laughs> Stalin Bank for me, because any any organization that has a, uh, a Welsh CEO or founder, win-win. I just go around looking for like uh, Welsh investors, founders, whatever. And I'm, like, I'm with <laughs> Slightly biased. That's, that's I know. why I'm with Monza <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, oh, listen, awesome. Uh, I think you know it's really exciting to see where you're going, uh, and I think it's uh, you're you're ones to watch. Surely, I think that level of growth is incredible, um, and and the good guys uh, in the industry, right? So um, I, I'm very much going to keep close eye on where Troy goes over the next 12 months. Uh, I think you're just going to increase uh, the, the demand. Um, for your services, mm. um, which, is, which is incredible. That's the plan. That's a plan. <laughs> Brilliant. So, our final thing, before we close off, is, uh, kind of, what's, what's buzzing around in your head at the moment? What's kind of the, the, the little thing you can share with the world? Um, the little kind of hint or tip or idea you'd like to get off your chest?
1: Yeah, and I think, actually, as we've been finished, now as we've kind of been talking, I think the one thing that's kind of popping in my mind is plan um you know you're not necessarily always going to know exactly how quickly you're going to grow you don't know when things are going to happen but i felt you know if if we example had created an idea of what we wanted the structure to be like maybe six months ago or last year it would have been a lot easier um you know nothing's ever going to follow in a designated path you have to be adaptable and agile but plan ahead that's all i'd say Started to sound like a, <laughs> a, a soldier or action man or something. Now it's a bit weird, bunch of anecdotes.
0: <laughs> no, I like it. And it's, it, it is right, it's, and especially now, right? So, what you said there is more important now where teams are really busy, they're under pressure, they're stressed out, um, they don't know where they're going to find their candidates. Like, actually, we need to find a way to step back and plan. I think it's really important, and I think it's at the very moment where people won't they won't be doing that because they'll think i'm too busy to plan um, but i think that is uh a, a good point that people need to just step back and take a moment to think around what the next three six months is going to look like doesn't have to be next three right. years next three six months what's that going to look like if xyz happen? what are we going to do how would we structure yeah. it? how would we plan it out i, Brilliant. I
1: completely agree no i think we've you know, we, we want to try and get ahead of the next set of challenges that we're going to face, which we don't know exactly what form they're going to be in. But, you know, if we've got the people in the right places to, to deal with those, and I think if people know what they're accountable for, it makes it a hell of a lot easier rather than, you know, it's the first question, oh, who on earth deals with this? And that's that's not a great place to be, which we, we want to avoid that situation.
0: Awesome. Listen, absolute pleasure having you on. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I'll be watching with a keen eye to see uh, what happens next at Troy.
1: Fantastic. No, Really
0: nice to, to speak to you, Theo. And no, thank you for having me. This episode was brought to you by Zinc, who offer automated reference and background checking tools directly in your ATS. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like, subscribe, leave a comment or share to support the show. Thank you.